Scott. Hello, I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yes, yes. And and this time we have five gods worth of reality. Instead we're of just deep. one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. This is uh we're gonna talk about Paladin of Souls by Lois McMaster Bujold, which and this is a sequel to The Curse of Chalion, also by Lois McMaster Bujold, and we talked about that in episode one ninety eight. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, boy, I love these books. Oh man, um, just great, so good. Paladin of Souls. How on earth do we uh, <laughs> talk about this? So it's a it's a fantasy novel, first of all, and in this world there are five gods, um, and mm-hmm. the gods are real, right? In this mm-hmm. world, and you can pray to them. And it's the father, the mother. So it's like the father of winter, the mother of summer. The son of autumn and the daughter of spring are the gods. And also the fifth god is called the bastard. Right, right. And he's like the trickster god. <laughs> yep, absolutely, kind of a, absolutely. Kind of like Loki, but, you know, more more godlike. Right, and, it, and this religion permeates the world. And people tend to select one. They're like, I follow the daughter, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then that's that's how they do it. And when they pray, they pray to the daughter and they go to the daughter church and or temples or whatever, but that's, that's what they tend to do. And then there are priests, um, or, you know, monks and everything for each God. So that's the setting of this. And this story is about Ista, who is a, she's a a member of royalty. And when we first meet her, she has just come through like the very first line actually says that the, the last of the mourners were just leaving. And her mother just died. Well, she's the queen mother. And the first book talked about she's in it tangential, well, somewhat, but um, as a very minor character and her daughter, um, spoiler, if you haven't read that, go read it. But her daughter is now the queen. So it's about her daughter and the main character in that book. Yeah, very good. And when I have to say, when I first read this book, I was like, ugh. Who cares about Ista? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it turns out I cared about her a lot. Um, this book is so well written. Yes, for sure. For sure. And yeah, this first line, it says, Ista leaned forward between the crenellations atop the gate tower, the stone gritty beneath her pale hands, and watched in numb exhaustion as the final morning party cleared the castle gate below. Love it. Put you right in the place. Yes, it's absolutely right. Ista is someone who her family in the past was cursed. Well, the family she married into. The family she married into, okay. They had done something to lift the curse, and it didn't end well. Yeah, it didn't work. And well, and she was possessed by one of the gods, essentially. Mm -hmm. So that made her not see reality the way Uh everybody else does. And that made everybody not understand her. So she's just gone through this. Her mother's just died and she's feeling her age. She's 45 or something like that, she says. So she's middle-aged. She feels old and worn out. And everybody around her is worried she's going to do something really rash, like kill herself. Mm-hmm. So they're following her around kind of like on eggshells, but they won't let her do anything because they're trying to keep her safe. Right. She's got uh, uh, attendants all the time and she's she's starting now to uh, try to 
um, get away. <laughs> yeah, how do you How do I get a moment alone, right? Um, mm-hmm. So she'll say, yeah, I'll just wait right here. You go do that for me and come right back. And, um, and then she'll take off. Yeah. So yeah, so she's at that point. Um, so then she um, ends up going on a, a little trip, or a little uh, pilgrimage. A little pilgrimage, right? <laughs> Outside, you know. I can't remember how that was decided. You know, it was like, hey, well, let's go on this pilgrimage. Yeah, and I would say that one thing that's very obvious in this book, um, you'd be surprised because this won uh, Hugo and the Nebula the year it came out hmm. awards. So, but it's seeped with religion and theology everywhere Mm -hmm. just because of the way the people live and think and the gods are interacting with them, um, uh, usually in dreams or whatever, but it's happening. Because of that, when you're, especially when you're rereading the book, you're seeing all these threads of how the people are making their own decisions, but they're nudged into it by the gods. So when Issa, the way she gets on the pilgrimage is she's seized with this urge to run down to the road. She just wants to get away. Well, when she runs down to the road, she runs into this pilgrimage group. Mm. Well, okay. That's that's who she winds up going with. She's like, oh, this is how I can get away. I can say I'm going on a pilgrimage. They'll all think it's so that I my daughter has a grandson. Um, yeah, that's what I'll say I'm praying for. <laughs> and she just wants to get away. But of course, what happens is she winds up getting um, entangled in an adventure with the the young cleric who's leading the pilgrimage. He's not the main character, but he's more important than you think when you first meet him. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I like about Bougeot is she will take unlikely characters. So you've got this kind of worn out middle-aged lady and, and that makes her sound less vital than she is, of course, but that's part of the point. She's not supposed to be having adventures. She's past that age. She's not young and beautiful and all. And maybe she's beautiful, but then you've got the cleric who's uh, a fat guy and he really is interested in planning the pilgrimage based on the places that have the best food. <laughs> yep. You know, and it's mm-hmm. not that he's not sincere. He very genuinely wants to do his best and serve mm-hmm. the God and, when Ist is there, he's like, oh, he starts preaching sermons just to her based on what he thinks she needs. But it's all these unlikely people. Yeah. And um, in addition, you know, Ista has, because of her past, is really shoving away the gods. She doesn't really, yeah. because of this possession thing that you talked about, it was very negative for her. That's how she's perceived it and doesn't want anything to do with it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. In very she strong terms, might... right? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, she's yeah. and she is thinking things like, no, I will shut the door. I am not opening this present. I don't care what you're giving me in this dream or whatever it is. Yeah, right. No, thank you. Yeah. I don't have to do this. <laughs> when she's mad at the gods because she had a son who uh, died young in the other book. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of the curse, and that's one of the things that keeps coming with her. She's ha- is how is she dealing with this? And she blames the gods. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and nothing happened. Yeah, and how common a thing is that in real life? Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, things happen that that make people push away. Yeah, yeah. So you have this big adventure because um, they wind up in a bad place where they're ambushed um by a neighboring country's army they're close to the border mm-hmm. and this is a neighboring country who only believes in four of the five gods <laughs> they have the quadrine religion i guess mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. it is so if they catch a cleric of the five gods they cut his thumbs off because they don't acknowledge the bastard i think <laughs> and um 
So you've got a bit of a religious wrangle there, but because they're caught up in that um, ambush, they wind up at this castle where they never would have been because they were, when they're rescued. And that's where the big story is actually waiting to happen because there's somebody there who was praying for help and this ragtag group of people get sent there as an answer to that prayer, but they have to figure that out. And, and Bougeau does this so realistically to anybody who's got faith and tries to live it. Um, all this feels really uh, true. I would yeah, say she's constantly saying little things that you're like, Oh wow. You know, that's, that's true in my world, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just how she talks about prayer or, um, how, you know, Ista doesn't want anything to do with what God might be asking her to do, you mm-hmm. know, all, all these things. Um, very familiar. Yeah. The way the people all have to deal with my life isn't going the way I want. And these people didn't act the way I want. Mm-hmm. How do I get it back on track? How do I or or be flexible or whatever and and she shows us examples of all these things right. um mm-hmm. in the telling of the story yeah. it's it's just yeah. really great it is really terrific and um, a, yeah. oh just a rollicking adventure you're just dragged through the thing at breakneck pace you yes, know yes right right yeah and she's uh the rescue she's rescued you know at this point that you're talking about by Arhis who mm-hmm. he's the one who brings him back to the castle so so him and then um this guy named uh what was his name Il- Ilvin you know these are uh, things that she's having adventures around right you know there's a right. mystery there that to be solved and right. um yeah so he's like a, I think Ilvin is Arhis's half brother yes yeah but there's something Something going on at this castle that she's there to figure out. Yeah. And it and it, it has very much the feel, like you said, of she was guided there and she needed to be there. And she got there, even though she didn't want to respond to what the gods wanted. She was actually doing so by being there. <laughs> so well, I, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Just great. Because she, and in fact, she in a dream has a conversation with the bastard um, and he, <laughs> he'll say things like, you know, she'll just snap at him and mm. say something like, get, you know, because of this, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I just love your spirit, <laughs> but no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yes. Ista. Well, and she's, and she's saying, you know, um, this is that thing where she says, you know, the tongues, gods can grow quite, quite honeyed when they want something Mm -hmm. because he wants her to do something. And she goes, when I wanted something, when I prayed on my face, arms outflung in tears and abject terror for years, where were you then? Where were the gods? The knights, Tata's, her son died. And he says, the son of autumn dispatched many men in answer to your prayers, sweet Ista. They turned aside upon their roads and did not arrive for he could not bend their wills nor their steps. And so they scattered to the winds as leaves do. Mm, His yeah. lips curved up in a smile more deadly serious than any scowl Ista had ever seen. Now another praise in despair as dark as yours, one as dear to me as Tata's was to my brother of autumn, and I have sent you. Will you turn aside, as Tata's deliverance did, at the last with so few steps left to travel? Yeah. And Just then terrific. And she, yeah. Yeah, and she's so furious at him, and he goes, when the man arises who can make you laugh, solemn Ista, angry Ista, iron Ista, then will your heart be healed. Mm. You have not prayed for this. It's a guardian. 
I don't know. Even the gods cannot give you. We are limited to such simples as redemption from your sins. And so redemption is talked about also and forgiveness and being able to forgive yourself. I mean, this book, but it all works in the characters' lives. And I think that's why it could win, um, you know, these science fiction and fantasy awards and everything, because it just feels real. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Yeah. And it's real theology that's being preached in the names of these five gods. So it, there's <laughs> yeah. so for a reader of faith, it's got this fascinating undercurrent. Yes, absolutely agreed. I, I love th- it's a fascinating thought that a god was trying to answer her prayer, mm-hmm. but wasn't getting the people to do what he wanted. That's an interesting yeah. thought. I wonder how much that happens. <laughs> you know, I think people about, that don't listen or, yeah. you know, I'm trying to nudge you this way, but you're fighting me and um, you're not going to get there. Or it's yeah. hard. Yeah. I mean, there's a point later in the book where she's like, oh, maybe I could get the cleric to do it. Hey, maybe he's the backup. And then she's like, oh, no, I can tell if he tried to do it, he couldn't do it. Right. 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 I have to do it. Mm-hmm. So I either have to give up. And turn aside, like they're saying, or just have to man up and do it. Right. Even though I don't know what I'm doing, all these things, you know, and it's but by being who she is Mm -hmm. and um, trying to help the people she's around, she's doing what she needs to do. Well, it reminds me of this book that I read called Thus Saith the Lord by Julie Davis. (laughs) I mean, it's you know that's, that's a book. That's a book that you wrote uh, about the right. the prophets, right? And right. Um, how many stories are similar to that, where the the prophet is like, I don't want anything to do with this. There there are mm-hmm. a couple that are very specifically like that, and you're, you know, um, but it's perfect. You know what she's writing is is it just feels real because it is. You know, she's drawing mm, inspiration from those things. It's like she took the book of Jonah and turned it into her own story. Yeah, right. I never thought about that. It was like, I don't want anything to do with this. You know, um, why are you asking me? That's an, mm-hmm. you know, it's a question we hear a lot. You know, uh, yeah. why are you asking me? Right. Like, you couldn't have picked a person that's worse for this than, you've, than me. And, <laughs> and God is like, no, I think that you should do it. Yeah, and then here Ista is just the exact same way, and then she realizes, no, I have to do it, and and she comes to the understanding of that she is the right person, and she's she's here for that purpose, and she needs to do that purpose, and she does. Yeah, and she's the mm-hmm. right person in so many ways, and, and and clearly, I I guess I don't even need to say this. We're way beyond spoilers, so you know, <laughs> okay, <go> read it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I didn't think I spoiled anything yet, but it's so awesome. No, 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 yeah. and very good. I, I don't think do I it. did either, mm-hmm. but it's because what I was going to say is, Ista, by being who she is and having gone through what she went through, has a perspective that helps more people than just Ilvin or whatever. I don't know how you say his name. I didn't listen to the book. Um, Which one? Ilvin or Arhis? I, that's what, how I pronounce it. Ilvin. Ilvin. Is, yeah, right, Il- Ilvin. Ilvin is how I say that. Is I-L-L-V-I-N. Yeah, so, yep. Um, she's there to kind of help. Uh, she's there to help Arhis. So Arhis, uh, like I said, spoiler territory. Arhis mm. is actually dead and he's being kept alive by his brother's life force because his wife 
Hmm. is possessed or well actually she's got a demon inside her but instead of the demon possessing her she turned her strength of will on the demon and she's using <laughs> it to keep her husband alive you know, she like just people loves him do. so much like people do yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right you're I love right it. i love it and gosh I, I absolutely loved the scenes where um ista is trying to figure this out and mm-hmm. she goes in there and she's like hiding and she can see what uh the the wife is named catalara Mm-hmm. See, yeah, so um, Catalara, and she can see that you know, Ilvin is laying there, and there's like a, a, a line that she can see that's it's leaving like his rope. body. It's like a rope, yeah. And yeah. she's like, well, I can tell that that's coming out of him because there's a flow, and she can tell that the flow is out of it. But just how how it was written, I was I was right there. I could see it all. And then, you know, how she follows the rope and, and figures out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, just love it. And I also really loved um, the the demon part of things. How how Lois McMaster Bujold was doing that part of the story. Um, like there was a um, a demon that jumped into this guy. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it Foy? F-O-I-X, Foy. Yeah, I think it's, or Foy, maybe. Foy, maybe, yeah. So French, he's, but... he's in a, a skirmish in the forest. This is back when when they were saved by he's, Arhis in the first place. He's attacked by a bear. Yeah, he's attacked by a bear. and But but Ista can see that there's a demon in the bear. That's something that she can see because the gods are with her, or the god is with her. Because she was possessed by that god mm-hmm. before, right. she can still see. These so things. she's got this ability, um, and when when she she'll meet a person that has a demon inside her, and the, that that person will recognize that they've been recognized. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, it's it's just a cool moment all the time. But but this bear has like a minor demon in it, and the demon jumps out of the bear and into this guy. And she she saw that whole thing happen, but everybody right. else is kind of oblivious to it. But I just loved it. I just thought that was just terrific how she did that. Yeah, and the whole idea that the demon can jump to somebody else when its host is dying. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and that, that, that the, demon in particular was interesting because he, he's like, I can feel something in my head, and it's like scared and in a cave. <laughs> You know, right, and that helps her know, kind of knows, you know, what kind of demon it is or whatever. But yeah, and there's a series of novellas that she wrote after this. Uh, they're the Penrick, Penrick and Desdemona yeah. series, mm-hmm. and I've read the first couple, and and they're pretty good. Um, and they're in the same world, and Penrick comes across somebody who's dying, and this happens at the very beginning, so it's no secret, and um unwarily he goes up and approaches her and that woman dies and the demon jumps into him and that demon and that book kind of describes she's obviously exploring a lot more of how does this work Hmm. so that demon penrick is maybe the 10th being that she's inhabited Hmm. so when they escape from hell or wherever the demons are they, you know, so they start with small animals because they don't know about the world either. And as they learn, they jump to bigger and bigger things. And mm. so um, it's also knows different languages and things from the different hosts it's been in. And this is more like Foie's situation. I think that's what she kind of wanted to explore in these books where they kind of become almost friends. 
Mm. you know yeah. uh and yeah. he gives the demon a name and the demon's like wow i've never had a name and <laughs> so and that's where it's desdemona so that's yeah the, i remember yeah. i remember something in this book there was a line um when this was happening that ista was thinking well now it's going to know how to talk so it's like right. the, the demons are actually growing in ability jumping from thing to thing Right. So it's like, okay, well, what is this going to be like when this particular demon now knows how to speak? What's that going to be like? You know, um, is that going to be? And how much will it run the other person versus the other person running it? And so she's used to seeing it mostly as the demon controlling the person, but Catalara is Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. She is has got such a strong will and so directed towards protecting her husband. She's controlling the demon that is inside of her. Yeah. However, if they let the demon become ascendant, it can control things. Mm-hmm. And with Fua, it's you, you can see Ista hasn't come across this yet, this kind of cooperation, as you discover by the end of the book. And so that's it's all these permutations of this stuff. And her the author exploring that is what makes the books interesting, is she uses yeah. it for the story, of course. But it has to do with the people, too, because what I was thinking of way back when we were starting to talk about this is you've got three different women who have been involved with gods and or demons, and you look at the choices they make. And so you've got Ista, who's our main character. You have Katalara, who is doing everything regardless of anything else it affects to keep her husband alive. Even when her husband's going, okay, first of all, I can tell I'm fading and I'm not loving this so much, but what you're doing is going to hurt our kingdom. And that's what I care about more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is given chance chances by Ista to do the right thing. And at the very, very end, she does. Yeah. She's, yes. And later, Ista is saying, you know, that is what makes the difference between her just experiencing grief for the future, which is what's going to happen. And then she can go forward and make other choices. Or if she hadn't done that, the same result would have happened. The husband would have had to die because he was already dead, really. But her future would have also held guilt, rage, and hatred. You know, so there's that shows a real clear value in doing what you're supposed to do, being obedient, even against what you yourself have been fighting for. And then you have, I don't know how you say her name, Joan. Joan, yeah, Princess Joan, yep. Princess Joan, who has been controlling all these demons and using other people to hold the demons so she can control the people through the demons to run things because she was always treated so horribly. And so this is how she's reacting. And she's given a chance to do the right thing also. And she turns it down. No, I won't Mm -hmm. let other people control me. I won't do this. And the bastard says to Ista, well, she's chosen, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, Joan doesn't want to let Arhis die. She wants to hang on to that, uh, to him and the demons and everything. And Ista is saying to Joan, let go, Ista urged, let it go and turn to some better task. Even now you have a choice. No, Joan's mind returned. It is my gift, my great chance. No one shall wrest it from me, least of all you. You were so feckless you couldn't even keep your own son alive. Mine shall have his place. I have promised it. Ista flinched, but the presence, capital P meaning the God, sustained Mm -hmm. her. 
If she will not stay, she must come, it said, continue. So Ista says, your wrongful attempts to impose order create yet vaster destruction. You torment and demolish the very souls you most desire to make grow and love you. You possess truer gifts, stunted though they have been. Let go, find them instead, and live. And so um, she's just... It says, the whipping white fire was a visible scream of denial. In it, Ista could not discern the faintest whisper of assent. So so she has to die. Right. And she Mm -hmm. says, this is not the quiet damnation of sundering. Indeed, which meaning letting demons go back into where they belong. Indeed, the white fire seemed to howl, splitting Ista's ears from within. Neither is this heaven's healing. No, the voice said regretfully, this is will not. So it shall pass with its demon to the place of be not. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then it describes that this kind of a stasis area, which is nothing. That's interesting that you you said damnation. That connects to earlier when Arhis was trying to explain. He was trying to understand his state. Mm -hmm. And um, he said the damnation, is that what my state is? That explains much. And then um, he's talking to uh, Ista, right? Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, theologically, I do believe that's precisely what it is, although perhaps learned de Cabon could redefine or refine the term. I do not know the scholar's language, but I've seen the thing itself. You are cut off from the nourishment of matter, but blocked from the sustenance of your God. And yet, not by your own will, as the true and mercifully sundered spirits are. By another's interference, this is wrong. So it's it's interesting, just the yeah. view of the, the, you know, so then that word's used later when you were just reading there at the end. So, I mean, two, two, different, the two different states of damnation there. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, one is he is being damned by somebody imposing their will on whatever he should be going through. And the other is, of course, that person who's like, I will not, as the present says. That's pretty good theologically, too. You know, the Catholic belief is, you know, damnation comes when you reject. You know, God's not going to reject you. It's you saying no. Right. Yeah, and in that sense... um, even though this isn't how it's popularly understood, theologically, what they'll say is hell, you choose hell for yourself. God doesn't send you to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to be with God. Right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. Catholic understanding is that's what purgatory is for. Where you're like, oh, I was awful. But way down deep, mm-hmm. you know, I was trying this or I was doing that or my intentions were this or that. And I know I failed so miserably and this is your chance to kind of get through all that and become perfected. And, um, and then, but see, if you choose, no, if you say, I can't stand to be near God, I will not have it. Hell is in that sense seem to be merciful because God won't force you against your will. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what you asked for. Right. And that's what Joan is asking for. It's just a beautifully so well put. It's another example of, you know, how theologically right some of this stuff is, you know, even in this Mm -hmm. land of five gods, you know, but, but Joan, I mean, that's a clear rejection, you know, and, and this idea that she could sense in some kind of a, what did you call it? A white cord or something where she. A white fire. I think that was her soul. And there was no perceived 
Ascent. Yeah, ascent, right? So she could, that was all the way down, right? So she could tell that there was nothing there that, that she could use to help her, right? Right. Whereas uh, with Catalara, she gives her chance after chance. She's like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. this is how it's going to have to be. And at the very end, she goes, yes. Right. Yeah. She says, I will do this. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's just so well done. That's terrific. And in that, um, when Ista is offering that to Catalara, what she's offering her is the chance to make her own choices instead of having them made for her, which is that sense of damnation uh, echoing a little bit because uh, Catalara is like, oh, yeah, you're just picking on me. You're doing this and that. And um, she says, uh, Ista says, Arhas would have protected you from this choice as a father would a beloved child. Arhas is wrong in this. I give you a woman's choice here at the last gasp. He looks to spare you pain this night. I look to your nights for the next 20 years. There's neither wrong nor right in this precisely, but the time to amend all choices runs out like Porfer's waters. Hmm. You know, and it's that sometimes you don't have a chance to choose again. You have to make the choice then that matters. And, And it's the fact that Ista has been through all this. She has the regrets from early bad choices. And they were made with good intention, mm. but incomplete information. Right. And other people yeah. failed in their abilities to go through and all these various things. But she's using that to say, I'm going to treat you as an adult. I'm going to give you the chance to be able to go forward and live yeah. with yourself. Terrific. I mean, yeah, really, really well done. Another thing that really leapt out at me was there pretty close to the end when she pretty much the final climactic scene <laughs> where, you know, mm-hmm. she's got to deal with demons and uh, Joe and oh, she, yeah. she actually let herself be captured. She's basically offering herself. She says, um, yeah, go ahead and capture me. And, and they think that, okay, this is victory, but she's bringing the bastard with her. Right. right. So the demons have no idea. But then she walks into this setting and the bastard leaves. <laughs> She's like, I can't see right? anything. And that was just amazing. Oh, you know, and of course I was thinking Dark Knight of the Soul. Um, oh, you know, it's golly. it's just like, yeah, I feel like now I'm shut off. But now it's it's like, I'm going to go ahead and go forward, even though this is extremely scary right now. <laughs> I don't know what to do. But right. then, um, you know, he comes back at the right time. But, wow. but I loved it. I, you know, so she said... Um, So she walks in there, you know, not one of the sorcerers flung up their hands, wincing at the glare of Ista's god light. So she walks in and nobody's afraid of her, Mm -hmm. right? Nor did the demons cringe within them. She could not see the demons within them. My inner sight is stolen. I am blinded. And then this paragraph here, something else was missing. The pressure of God upon her back, which had borne her forward, floating as if in a dream, since that blood-stained dawn upon the north tower was gone as well. Behind her, only an empty silence loomed. Infinitely empty, since so infinitely filled just moments before. She tried frantically to think when she had last felt God's hands upon her shoulders. She was certain he had been with her in the forecourt when she had spoken with D. Cabone. She thought he had been with her when she stepped onto the board across the cleft. He was not with me when I stepped off. 
Her useless outer eyes blurred with terror and loss. She could barely breathe, as though her chest was bound tight with heavy cords. What have I done wrong? Mm. Yeah, I just, you know, that's where my mind went, is just this dark night of the soul where you you have a part of life where you feel very, very alone. And that what have I done wrong? And of course, she'd done nothing wrong. This is just how it needed to be for other reasons. Right, right. So but she because doesn't it's know a, that. Yeah, it's, it, you just don't understand, right? Again, right. she doesn't have the full picture like you were saying earlier. And this mm-hmm. idea of, um, you know, there's almost a little bit of taking God for granted in that paragraph too, where when she stepped in there, she was like, how long have I been without that? You know, she was, mm-hmm. she's thinking back on when did when did that go away? You know, because she had been so used to it, um, sort of taking it for granted and um, didn't notice when it left. She had to she had to think about it, right? And then to me, that's like, um, you know, sometimes when you you go through these periods, you know, where you don't want to go to church or something like that. But you know, there there are just these periods in life where suddenly you look up and you go. I really haven't been paying any attention at all, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like a correction, you know, it's like, oh, I need to, I need to, to fix some things. You know, luckily for us Catholics, we have periods of, of the year where we focus on those things, right? Right. To try to pull us back in, in line or to, to break our routines. Um, but, you know, we're in one right now, Advent, right? Yeah, and then Lent, I was just going to say, as well. here we are so, in Advent. Yeah, but that's... But that's the thing, you know, to to suddenly look up and realize that something hasn't been right for a little while and um, that your life's out of balance is what that meant to me. Yeah. And listening to you, I was just thinking about her talking about the God's hands being on her shoulder and she knew he was with her and all this stuff. And but it was like she she'd noticed it on the top of the tower and then she just lost it, right? Mm-hmm. And so up to that point, she's being she can feel herself being pushed in a direction. The rest of the book isn't talked about like that. Nope. This is a real mm-hmm. specific time period where she's got to do these things. Right. She's got to do a, a very hard thing, right? Right. Yeah, let's show up where there's like 14 demons. Well, yeah. Um, and I love the way the kiss gets used in different ways. And she's like, it's something to do with a kiss? And it's, no, it's something to do with your mouth being open and swallowing stuff. So, right, right. But it's so funny how it goes along. Well, but um, what I was thinking, what that actually made me think of was that idea of being really clued in to God being with you in a way that you're not used to. And it made me think of an experience. It was a fairly brief one that I had, but um, it was when I was helping put on the retreat and that, you know, you go on a retreat and then for six months you're in formation with your team that went on the retreat with you. You have a choice to do if you want to do that or not. And then you go on and put on the retreat and you have various roles. And I was extremely surprised. I wound up being the leader of the retreat. Mm. And um, I wound up have because of that, you give a talk and you give the last talk of the retreat. And there was a moment where everybody, various people were praying with me before I went in to give the talk. And it was like, I stood up from that moment and I don't know how to describe it. I guess it's going to sound really weird, but 
It was like, cause I had, you know, it was like, come on, Holy spirit, fill me up. Let's do it. And it was almost like I was running. I, I was walking and talking and it was me, but I was along for the ride in a sense. Mm. I don't yeah. know if you know what, I do. what I'm talking. Yeah. yeah. And it's Very that thing much. of, mm-hmm. but I felt like there was this super delicate balance. And if I pushed, it would just be me running thing. And I was like, I don't want to upset anything. Right, right. So I was just very delicately mentally going along and, um, you know, and gave the talk. And by the time the talk was done, I didn't have that sense anymore. Because mm. once you're giving the talk, you're giving the talk. But right, it was mm. the weirdest feeling. And it feels like what I think maybe Ista felt like, except she wasn't having to delicately balance anything, you know. Mm-hmm, sure. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. yeah very good. But it's that kind of a, and I hadn't thought about that in, oh gosh, well, that was 2003 and I don't (laughs) really think about it. But um, that's kind of what it made me think of was, you're here to do this thing. This is what you're doing. And I'm here with you and I'm doing it too. Uh (laughs) Right. Yeah. And then suddenly, suddenly in the book anyway, it suddenly that disappeared for her. Yeah. And that, that'd be pretty scary stuff. And she was counting on it because this is how yeah. she's always, like you said, she's used to it. Right, right. Demons and having this extra knowledge. And now she's, and it's especially scary because Joan's like, ah, she can't see anything. She's like, you're perfect to have this demon and I'm going to put it in you and control you because you're very important. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And I like uh, the kiss stuff that you talked about too. There was a moment right before this where the, I think it was the, uh, what was he? The priest of the bastard. Was his name D. Cabone or something? I think so. And yeah. he asked for her blessing, right? Yeah. Which was something coming from him, right? Because he's, mm-hmm. like you said, he spent the whole book kind of preaching to her and trying to coax her to be what she needed to be without him knowing that that was, you know, this is really oh, intricate then, stuff. It's great. Yeah. But, by then he humbled. Yeah. He knew what was right. going on. Absolutely. At that point, he sure did. And he asked for a blessing and she kissed him on the head, on the forehead. Mm-hmm. And there was a little line there that said something like, if the God transmitted something, you know, because she kissed him on the forehead is like the third eye spot or something. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. it was like the God may transfer something to him through her, you know, mm-hmm. like give him a message. Um, right. It just, she said, you know, if if he gave him a message, she didn't know what it was. Right. Um, but I just thought that that was kind of a a cool thing that, you know, that must have happened in the past where messages were passed. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a neat detail. I just liked it. you know, on that, it, again, you kissed, the kiss brought that up in my head and I, I liked yeah. that idea. Yeah. And since the, um, since the bastard is kind of a joker, he would use dreams to communicate things, but he would give like, so Esther would dream she was in Ilvin's chamber before she knew anything about who he was or had gotten there. Mm-hmm. Or um, there's the point where he's the bastard who is just, oh, he's such a bastard about it, really. <laughs> he's just, yeah. he's kissing her yeah. and being all lascivious and everything. And she kind of, in a sense, wakes up, but she's mm-hmm. with De Cabon, who he, he makes, the bastard had made himself resemble uh-huh. in her dream. Yeah. And he's kissing her. And he kind of was like, oh, what kind of a dream is this? And then she disappears, you know. <laughs> so later on, she's like, you know that kiss? You know about it. And he goes, oh, that wasn't a dream? I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I didn't mean anything by yeah. it. It was just, you know, she's like, I get it. Yeah. But it was so funny the way they would, he would, 
play with that just in the same way, you know, embarrass you and poke you and, um, but all the same also communicating stuff, yeah, you know, yeah. but you just didn't understand it. Yeah, for sure. Um, she's another thing that I highlighted or, or marked was some stuff that she was talking about prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm on page 195 in my book, but it says, you know, okay. how, how were prayers answered anyway? For prayers were innumerable, but miracles were rare. The gods set others to their work, it seemed. For however vast a god might be, it on, it had only the width of one soul at a time to reach into the world of matter, whether door, window, chink, crack, or pinhole. <laughs> and then it says, demons, for all that they were supposedly legion, were not vast, possessing nothing like the infinite depth of those eyes. But they seemed limited similarly, except that they could chew away at the edges of living apertures and so widen them over time. Um, but it, it, just the prayer thing was interesting to me on that. Prayers are innumerable, but miracles were rare. The gods set yeah. others to their work, it seemed. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's interesting. And then um, just on the very next page, uh, more about prayer, she says... But why send me in answer to a prayer when you know perfectly well I can't do a thing without you? Hmm. You know, it wasn't too hard to follow the logic of that one to its inevitable conclusion either. Unless I open to you, you cannot lift a leaf. Unless you pour into me, I cannot do what? Yeah. That was interesting. Yep. Yeah, it's that... um it's funny, the answering of the prayer, but it needs God somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though I've been sent to do all that, whatever it is I'm doing. Yeah. To do what? To do, <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, right. Unless you pour into me, I cannot do what? It's almost like she's asking, well, what is it that I can do right. now that I couldn't do before? Right. Um, what is it I'm supposed to do? It's a questioning, yeah. She just didn't know what she was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um but she knew yeah. she, whatever it was, she couldn't do it by herself. Right, right. And she, so it, it's just a, almost a mini meditation on what it means to be God's instrument. Yeah, and what it means to pray. And do you expect miracles? Or, I mean, some miracles happen in this at the very end. But up to that point, it's Ista having to do stuff and figure things out and everything. Yeah, right, right. You know. Yep. So it definitely is, you know, and in, in that climactic scene that we were just talking about, I mean, the, the bastard at some point took over, you know, and he says, yeah. okay, now, you know, she says, what do we, what do you need me to do now? And he says, go to the middle and we'll start there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but he's like pretty much running the show at that point. Um, you know, we, we rarely get that gift where we're definitely, doing God's will in a very, such a clear way that, you know, his voice is there saying, do, 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 you know? Right. We, but we, we, it's, it's that still small voice, right? That is normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you feel there are times in, in my life anyway, where I felt really tuned in that I feel mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm pretty confident that I'm doing the things yeah. that I should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Even moment to moment. Sometimes there's a real joy there. I think when everything's mm-hmm. aligned like that, that's that's the best times. Yeah, and there's sometimes when all the clues are there. Yeah. Um, and you just go, well, this is a series of really unlikely things to have all happened within this very short time period that point 
very clearly, well, I'll just do the next thing. Oh, that was unlikely. This person just agreed without me even having to argue with them. Oh, that was <laughs> unlikely. And you suddenly find yourself, you know, in whatever situation. Yeah. Right. Uh, new right. job, new relationship with a person, uh, you know, new living arrangements, whatever it is, which those all sound mundane, but, you know, God cares about little things too. For sure. Yeah. But usually you're having to do everything. <laughs> Absolutely. And then and, and unless I open to you and you meaning, you know, it's a capital Y, mm-hmm. you cannot lift a leaf. Unless I open right. to you, you cannot lift a leaf. That's interesting too. So it's basically saying I'm your instrument. Yeah. Um, you know, God's not going to lift the leaf without me, you know, so yeah. It's like God needs me to oh, to lift that leaf. <laughs> I, I, yeah. It's just really, I mean, it's profound in a little sentence. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, like I said, it's a little meditation on what it means. Yeah. 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 Good. And then the it, book is full the of those lines. cooperation and the mm-hmm. free will thing right. that they talk about, you yeah. know. Yeah. I'm still choosing that whether or not to lift that leaf. But I'm perceiving, well, yes. I'm perceiving that he wants me to. And that goes along with, you know, the Son of Autumn sent a lot of people, and they drifted away like leaves. Mm -hmm. He says, when she complains that no one came and answered to her prayers. Right, right. So. Yeah, fascinating. mm -hmm. One of the things I liked, and this is a phrase that gets repeated throughout the book, is great sold. Mm. And um, they talk about, uh, in fact, it starts with, um, when it's telling the story of the bastard and uh, how he came to be as a god. And he was the love child of the mother goddess and the great-souled demon who was getting rid of the demons in the world that were... Um, and he was an unusual one because he was uh, devoted... He was uh, healed by a saint because he had the gift of free will which brought the possibility of sin and the burning shame of it, which tormented the demon as nothing had ever done before. Between the lash of his sin and the lessons of the saint, the demon's soul began to grow in probity and power. And then he began to fight the soulless demons on the God's behalf in places where they couldn't reach. He and the um, goddess, the mother Mm -hmm. of summer become lovers and he dies in battle but this, their son is the bastard. And um, so this tells you, here's, so here's some of the mythology of the world. But even there, it's with the knowledge of sin and free will comes how do you fight free from it? How do you become great souled? Mm, yeah. And um, mm. that theme goes throughout where um, it's, it's most clearly brought up. Uh, well, it's brought up even when... Um, Arhus is going to die, and um, Ista is talking to him about it. And he says, I just met the, you know, basically the father of winter on the stairs. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, she says, Your father calls you to his court. You need not pack. You go garbed in glory as you stand. He waits eagerly by his palace doors to welcome you and has prepared a place at his high table by his side in the company of the great souled honored and best beloved. And this I speak true, bend your head. Hmm. So that sets up 
a whole battle scenario, essentially. But then later, what you see, Great Soul keeps getting mentioned over and over. This is what the gods want. They want the Great Souled people. Mm. And you have um, Elvin's servant, Gorham, who's really like a half-wit for most of the book. He's been chewed on by demons, his soul has. Mm. So, there's big chunks of him missing. Yeah. And he's suffering, and he's um, incomplete. And especially in his personality. And so, what happens is, during this whole process, he becomes restored to himself. And what you would expect in this scenario, because we kind of like him. He's a very likable guy, um, in such as he is insufficient. And um, he wasn't great before he uh, became chewed up by a demon, used by Joan, essentially. He was bad, and um, he feels bad about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she says, yeah, captain of horse, swordsman, bravo, murderer, destroyer of lives, not just enemies, but friends. Shall I go on? The sort of fellow whose funerals orations are all on the theme of, well, that's a relief. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I see. I need not confess to you. And she goes, well, I know what I saw, basically. Mm-hmm. And he says, all my sins delivered. It's a strange, strange thing, Rowena. The lifting of one's sins is usually considered a miracle of the gods, but your God has brought all mine back to me. Gorham the groom was a hundred times better a man than Gorham de Hixar will ever be. I was a blank slate, brought, saved for no merit of mine, to live for three years with two of the best men in Carabastos. Not just best swordsmen, best men, you, know, you understand? I scarcely knew such lives were possible before nor wanted to know, I would have mocked their virtues and laughed. Lord Ilvin thought I was overwhelmed with joy when I fell to my knees before you in the court, forecourt. It wasn't joy that knocked me down. It was shame. Hmm. And she says, I know. Um, and he says, I don't want to be who I am. I was happier before, Royina, but everyone thinks I should be praying my thanks. She returned hmm. him an ironic smile. Be sure I am not one of them, but... Your soul is your own now to make of what you will. We are all of us, every one, our own works. We present our souls to our patrons at the end of our lives as an artisan presents the work of his hands. Mm -hmm. Wow. And he says, Mm -hmm. if it is so, I too, I am too, uh, too marred, Rowena. She says, you are unfinished. They are discerning patrons, but not, I think, impossible to believe. The bastard said to me from his own lips that the gods did not desire flawless souls, but great ones. I think that very darkness is where the greatness grows from as flowers from soil. I am not sure, in fact, if greatness can bloom without it. You have been God-touched as any here. Do not despair of yourself, for I think the gods have not. Hmm. And so... This is also, in so many ways, goes along with the Catholic theology. There is no sin that is unforgivable. Yes, right, right. And um, you, through knowing what you know of yourself, you can still go forward forgiven Mm -hmm. and become something great. And when she says, from the darkness, that's the soil that maybe grows the flowers. And I thought, because doesn't every great person have the potential to be really bad or really good? (laughs) Absolutely. It's what do you turn your Absolutely. energies and intentions to? Yeah, uh, the, the the idea that the the purpose of life, he's saying, well, we're going to present this to our patron. I love that your works are your own, like an artisan. Right, kind of like an artisan, right. 
you know, uh, you, you said to me one time, I, I, I told you one time, I, I'm not sure what to do now. You know, what, what do I do? And she says, well, be a saint. <laughs> <laughs> that was your answer. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Didn't I sound pretentious Didn't when you? I said yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> but it was fantastic. I mean, no, it was like in a sentence you said a volume, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's like, it's like, oh, well, yeah, well, that's the purpose. Well, you know, that's. That's what we need to try to do. That's what we need to work towards. Um, and and that's that whole idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to be reminded of that too. It's easy oh, to no say question. it sometimes when yeah. you're just that perfect moment and then yeah. you forget it. Right. You know, and then you come yeah. back and you go, oh, right. Mm-hmm. If I'm trying hard to be the best I can be, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell and what God wants and what I want in my life, then that's how you become a saint. Yeah, right. You have to, it's uh, what Thomas Merton's friend said to him, right? Mm-hmm. And when Thomas Merton said, I don't want to be a saint, this is so hard. And he goes, well, you don't have to do it. You just have to be willing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being willing is kind of what this whole book is about with Ista's journey. Yeah. You know, she fights so many times with herself over it and is mad at the gods mm-hmm. and um, everything. But she still, she goes ahead and does it and she becomes more willing as she goes. Right. And that's, isn't that unlike, or isn't that much like life, you know, um, you, you, at least in my life, you know, I came from a point where, Hey, I know everything. I don't need any of this to a point where I have to give thanks, you know, and, and you start to grow and you move forward and move forward and you're like, Oh, you know, so in, in a way that's a mirror of that. But, um, you know, you, you, you have, or Ista is showing us that you know she's fighting very hard against things without full understanding and then as she understands more she starts to say okay well your will and my will actually are the same thing i i they become that right Um, right at the beginning it wasn't because she didn't have full understanding but once she understood then their wills coincided and she didn't even really fully understand who she herself was. And that's part of what she was struggling with at the beginning mm. of the book. Well, I was this person's daughter who's now dead. I was this person's wife. He's mm. dead. Yeah. Um, I participated in this very terrible act in order to try to break the curse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have that shame on me that that happened. Um, all these various things and as she goes, she's able to start to learn to forgive herself. Early in the book, she says, well, the gods can forgive Ista, but if Ista doesn't forgive Ista, <laughs> then it doesn't matter. She can't isn't hear that, the gods or open their gift. Isn't that a big statement, too? Right. I mean, how many of us have that trouble, too? Well, you know, we can go to confession and God has forgiven us, but we've got to do our part on that, too. Um, right. You've got to move on from that. Right. Um, we have to move forward. Right. You've got and, to, you've I'm, got to trust. It's like people aren't trusting that they have been forgiven, maybe. Um, right. But it, but you've got to believe that. Well, and she also had a lot of circumstances when she, because you hear her story two or three times told to different people, and you understand she didn't know what was going on when she participated in all those things. She was doing the best she could with everything, and she kind of, I think, is able to transfer some of that knowledge to others and. You know, we've talked about this before on this podcast that um, when you are asking God to bring you closer to Him, mm-hmm. 
you kind of also, you know, you don't always have to duck a little, <laughs> but kind of, you mm. feel like you want to duck because you know it's not going to be easy because coming to know God better means you have to delve into places in yourself you don't want to. Mm. And those places aren't opened up usually without some pain and anguish right, and yeah. suffering. Yeah. And so, um, and I recently went through a period of about two weeks of that where I was, I mean, it was terrible. And I had just been dealt an awful blow by someone I loved and unintentionally, mm. but here we were and I couldn't get what I want. And I was put in a place where the only thing I could do about this was pray. And the only times I was able to really come to peace with it was when I remembered, well, this is kind of my fault. I asked you to bring me closer to you and boy, I am living hoping for you to pick me up in your hands right now. I am constantly having to remember my humility and the, the litany of humility is a great thing for showing you yourself in a mirror where you go, Oh, ouch, Hmm. that's me right there. I, this thing I, you know, it's hoping not to be, I'm that. Right. Right. Um, And it's, Hmm. you know, and also just to kind of go, I am not allowed to do a thing. I cannot act in this moment. I can pray and Hmm. I can, try to deal with myself and turn myself over to God and everything's fine now. Yeah, but yeah. those two weeks were really cleansing. Mm. Um, and when I could remember that I'm supposed to be thankful in all things, I could even kind of embrace it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'd have to go through a lot of coming to peace and then, you know, getting upset <laughs> and angry again and then coming to peace again. But that's part of the process. Right. Right. Too. Yeah. suffering. Yeah, for sure. And that's what Ista's journey is like in a very adventurous, exciting, fun way. I don't want to turn people off of the book no. for that, but <laughs> she's she's got a hard past. She certainly does. And by yeah. the end of the book, she is wiser. She's found love. Mm-hmm. She's allowed to be who she is. Yeah. And to accept the fact that someone can love her for who she is, which I think at the beginning of the book, if she'd have met Ilvin she would have rejected it. Yeah, I agree with that too. So, I mean, that that's a, a little illustration too of, uh, you know, once once all that aligns, it's a beautiful thing. And right. things open, you know. Right. It's not that things are being closed on you because you're not aligned. It's just that that's what alignment does. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. just, right, it just opens things. It's that thing that, I know I've mentioned this before, that mm. thing that Lewis says where you... You uh, you get to know God, and you're like, oh, he's going to fix up my little cottage and live here with me. This is going to be super. And then he starts knocking down walls, <laughs> tearing the roof off, yeah. and you realize, oh, he's building new wings and a second <laughs> story, and because he's going to make a castle. Uh-huh. And it hurts like crazy yeah. to be ripped apart like that. But when you're put back together some, it's better, because there's always something better that's coming of it. And that's shown in this book, too. Yeah. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. She would ne- if she hadn't gone through all that, she'd have never met Ilvin. Right. Excellent. Wow. Yeah, and all that's in that book. I know. Yeah, <laughs> Which is... it, it's just tremendous how she yeah. she deals with the theology and things and yeah, um, yeah, it's really great. Yeah, it yeah. is good. I'm definitely going to look at those Penrick ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't read the Hallowed Hunt, which actually came out after this, but is a prequel. I understand. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I have tried to read that two or three times, and mm-hmm. I just can't get into it. Okay. There's something about it that it doesn't 
work for me somehow. Okay. So if you read it, I'd be curious to know how you okay. like it. Yeah, I'll definitely pick up a copy and and get a read. Yeah, and I'm, uh, yeah. I'll read all those Penrick novellas too. I don't know how many mm-hmm. there are now. <laughs> oh, gosh, few. I think there Penrick's are Demon, 10 or 11. Penrick and the Shaman, Penrick's Fox, uh, Penrick's Mission, Mira's yeah, Last Dance. So great. came out as almost like not really chap books, I guess, but just small published books and they're on the Kindle. And I noticed too that they're on uh, Audible too, you know, three, right. three hour audio books. So. Right. Mm-hmm. They're on Audible and they also have, um, there's a three story hard co- hardback copy that oh, I got okay. from the library just recently when I knew I was going to read this. I was like, well, I'll go on and start reading those for what the library has available. And I see that of the, uh, four through six there's a hardback coming out of those two. Oh, nice so they must yeah. be going oh, okay this has a yeah. long life and w- so we can put them out in a, a bigger book ah very good yeah mm-hmm. keep my eyes open for those cool yeah yeah they're good very nice very nice mm. well wonderful this was fun yeah it sure um, was i'm so <laughs> glad you picked it my yeah. goodness and it's so much more complicated we just talked about really the underpinnings i yeah. mean it's it's a great adventure um, and a rich, rich world. I mean, she starts off and she's talking about the politics of this guy over here and this kingdom over there and that city over there. And I was really trying to keep track of it. And I went, no, wait, she'll show me what I need to know later. And she does. Yeah, so, that's great. You know, that's great. Yeah, it's good though. Super good. Yep. Thumbs up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, I wanted to take a moment before we close and just note that uh, – our first episode was January 5th, 2011, mm. and it was The Reapers Are the Angels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to reread that. That means that, that today was the end of our 10th year of doing this, which Holy is amazing. <laughs> yes. So thank you very much is what I have to say. I'm very grateful. Well, um, thank you. We've, I've sure enjoyed it and, and looking forward to more. Me too. And, you know, it's that thing where, and we've both realized this more and more during this year, I think, you know, you start off in your friends Mm -hmm. and you're doing this fun project together because you, you have the same sensibilities about things, but of course doing what we're doing, it really broadens our knowledge of ourselves and of each other. Mm -hmm. And gosh, now I feel like we're such good friends. Yeah. I feel Um, the same. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what a gift we've been given. <laughs> no question. You know, yeah. All through being uh-huh. allowed to have this much fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And have grown in, in the faith as well, I would say. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly have felt that. Oh yeah. Um Me too. Yeah, and I love the way that I read when I'm reading for this. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's just been nothing but wonderful. I'm the same. Yeah. And we got so excited about all this at the end of the year. You wouldn't think this after the 10th year. (laughs) But if you go to our website and check the sidebar, Mm -hmm. you'll see we have things chosen through several months of next year. Yeah, good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, we started emailing about all these things and wound up just with books and movies and all kinds of stuff. You bet, you bet. Yeah. Thumbs up. But yep, thank you very much. And thanks everyone for listening too. Yes. Um, yeah. Please contact us if you feel like. I mean, there's all kinds of ways on the website to get a hold of us. But uh, I've enjoyed hearing from a lot of you, and um, it's just been fun. And uh, yeah. thank you for listening. I agree. Yeah. I agree. 
Yeah. So, so next for us is next? yeah. Next yeah. for us is in January. Um, so we'll be back uh, with a new episode on January the twelfth, two thousand twenty-one, and it's going to be Tuyo. Is that how you say that? I don't Tuyo know. <laughs> by Rachel Newmeyer with a special guest. Yes. Yeah. Will Duquette. He picked Excellent. the book. Mm-hmm. And I'll say I read the sample when he picked it just to see what it was like, and mm-hmm. I couldn't quit. And luckily, the library had the book because oh, I good. read it in about two days. <laughs> oh, Wonderful. you guys, you got to look for this book and read it. It's oh, amazing. Oh, fun. Very good. Yeah. Looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. Good. Well, cool. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody, and uh, happy yeah. holidays. Yeah, happy, have a good rest of Advent, have a very Merry Christmas, however you're able to do it, and mm-hmm. a very happy New Year, and you know, everything's awful, but everything's also really good. Yes. So it's all <laughs> Don't forget fine. that part, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay, take yeah. care, everybody. Really good. Thanks a lot, everyone. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.